What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Evacuations are underway and theme parks are shutting their doors as Hurricane Ian aims at Florida. Global stocks are heading for the lowest level in almost two years. Ten-year Treasury yields breach 4%. And the dollar rises after the White House talks down the prospect of a currency agreement. Mixed reaction to the so-called tent city for migrants in the Bronx. Plus, Ukrainian President Zelensky dismisses the Kremlin run referendum as a farce. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash. Aaron Sports. The Yankees won in Toronto and clinched the AL East. The Mets lost and are now tied for first with Atlanta. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning, and we are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 25 points, Dow futures down 149, NASDAQ futures down 122, and the 10-year Treasury down 10.30 seconds, yield 3.98%. The yield on the two-year, 4.23%. Nathan. All right, Karen, we'll have much more on the market turmoil in just a minute, but first we want to bring you up to date on Hurricane Ian, it has just been upgraded to a dangerous Category 4 storm with top winds at 140 miles an hour, taking aim at Florida's Gulf Coast. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn joins us now with the latest on the track of the storm. Good morning, Rob. Nathan and Karen, Hurricane Ian continues to move north-northeast at around 10 miles an hour this morning. It is a dangerous hurricane. The wind's in excess of 120 miles an hour. We were seeing wind gusts over 60 miles an hour earlier this morning in Key West. The storm will make landfall later today somewhere north of Fort Myers to as far north as Tampa, and then it will start to move inland. We're expecting the hurricane-force winds to extend out at least 45 miles from the center of circulation, so there's going to be a lot of damage across that portion of West Florida between uh, Fort Myers and the Tampa area. Storm surge is probably going to be in excess of 10 feet. We'll see wind gusts over 125 miles an hour. And along the path of the storm, anywhere from 5 to 10 inches of rain is likely to fall over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours. Nathan and Karen? All right, Rob, thank you. Of course, we'll be checking in with Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn throughout the morning. Well, ahead of the storm, Disney, SeaWorld, and Universal Orlando have shut their Florida theme parks through at least tomorrow. Tampa's main airport closed up yesterday. Orlando plans to do the same later this morning. Governor Ron DeSantis says about 2.5 million Floridians need to get out of harm's way. If you are in an evacuation zone, particularly in those southwest Florida counties, uh, you know, your time to evacuate is coming to an end. Uh, you need to evacuate now. 
Governor Ron DeSantis spoke with President Biden last night. The president says FEMA has deployed 700 people to Florida and up to 7,000 members of the National Guard are being activated. The storm has also forced the House January 6th committee to postpone its latest public hearing this afternoon. No new date has been set. All right, Karen, let's get back to the markets now. The equity sell-off continues this morning. Global stocks are heading for their lowest level in almost two years. The yield on 10-year treasuries breached 4% for the first time since 2008. And the dollar is soaring after the White House talked down the prospect of a currency agreement to weaken the greenback. White House National Economic Council Director Brian Deese says he does not expect another 1985-type deal among major economies to counter dollar strength. Do you see any possibility of a global accord to kind of adjust uh, currency values the way there was with the Plaza Accord? Or is that just not something you're focused on? I don't anticipate that that's, uh, that that's, that that's where we're headed. White House National Economic Council Director Brian Deese spoke there with David Rubenstein on peer-to-peer conversations on Bloomberg Television. Well, Nathan, an aggressive Fed has also fueled the dollar's rally. A chorus of central bankers is doubling down in the need to keep raising rates in the face of inflation. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly says the hikes could have an impact on the labor market. We have to balance that off with our dual mandate with full employment and trying to navigate that to bring inflation down while we do so as gently as possible, not to tip unnecessarily the economy into a, a downturn that actually influences the full employment part of our mandate is a struggle. In San Francisco, Fed President Mary Daly is currently not a voting member on the FOMC. Well, the dollar's recent gains against the euro and the pound accelerated after the U.K. announced massive tax cuts last week. Bank of England chief economist Hugh Pill says a significant monetary policy response is needed. In a context where there is a rebalancing of the macro policy environment and an anticipation of looser fiscal policy, I think it's hard not to draw the conclusion that all this will require a significant monetary policy response. BOE's chief economist Hugh Pill says the best time to act is at the institution's next meeting in November. Meanwhile, Nathan, global criticism of the U.K.'s fiscal plan is growing this morning. And let's go to London and get the details from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The IMF has delivered a stinging rebuke of the UK's new unfunded tax plans. The International Monetary Fund says the government's package of tax cuts, the biggest in 50 years, are excessive and in need of revision. It says fiscal policy should not work at cross-purposes with monetary policy. Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng meets with top Wall Street bankers in London later today. He'll set up why his UK growth plan is still the right thing to do. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thanks. Back in the U.S., the White House may be getting ready to shake up its economic team. According to Axios, officials are preparing for Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to depart after the midterms. A White House spokesperson says the secretary does not plan to leave, and top economic advisor Brian Deese also says he has no plans to depart either. Well, on Capitol Hill, Nathan, House Democrats have released a bill that would restrict stock ownership for high-ranking government officials. That includes members of Congress, the President, Vice President, Supreme Court justices, and their spouses and dependent children. It covers commodities, futures, cryptocurrency, or other digital assets. Public officials would have to put them in a blind trust or divest their holdings. And we're watching shares of Biogen this morning. They are soaring up 46% in the pre-market. Biogen and its partner, Azi, say their drugs significantly slowed Alzheimer's disease. That would make it the first medicine to blunt progression of the most common dementia in a definitive large-scale trial. 
Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure is a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. This is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. It's 507 on Wall Street. We got an accident on the southbound New York State Thruway. It's close to the Tappan Zee Bridge, and it's 54 degrees in Central Park. Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. There's controversy over a temporary humanitarian relief center being built in the Bronx. As more immigrants arrive from Texas, the so-called tent city in Orchard Beach will be heated and can house up to a 1,000 migrants. Mayor Eric Adams says the tents are supposed to be a temporary stop for migrants as they get on their feet. We want to make sure that we bring people into uh, a safe, clean environment as we process them uh, for a few days to figure out their needs and move them to the right location. But immigrant rights advocates say this is a terrible location, far from mass transit or other services the migrants might need, and some residents say they are fearful. New York Mayor Eric Adams talked about his return from Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic in the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona. New York lawmakers are calling for more federal aid to help with recovery for the island. New York City Councilmember Oswald Feliz. What's happening in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic is extremely sad. It's a horrible tragedy. These are communities that have worked for everything that they have. Those small businesses, those homes, they have worked for it. Councilmember Felice says the city of New York will be with Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic every step of the way. Moscow-backed officials declared that all four occupied regions in Ukraine voted in favor of joining Russia. Russia conducted what Ukrainian leader Volodymyr Zelensky called a sham referendum. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield. The United States will never recognize any territory Russia attempts to seize or allegedly annex as anything other than part of Ukraine. Ambassador Thomas Greenfield. The U.S. will allow a limited number of refugees in 2023. President Biden said he would welcome up to 125,000 refugees this year and will let in the same number in the next. One of the January 6th rioters who attacked police officer Michael Fanone has been sentenced to more than seven years in prison. Kyle Young of Iowa began crying and begging for forgiveness during his sentencing. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 509 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshaw. Good morning, Nathan. The Yankees opened last night's celebration in Toronto. Not the only one they'll have. They beat the Blue Jays 5-2 to two as Glaber Torres had three hits, three RBIs, and Jameson Tyone pitched into the eighth inning, got his team-leading 14th win. For Aaron Judge, a line-out in the first inning, then four straight walks. So, again, no home run number 61. But a division title... For the Yanks, they're 20th, and they take advantage of the new format where the top two teams get a first-round bye into the division series. So in the AL, that's the Yanks and Astros. In the NL, the Dodgers will be joined by whoever wins the NL East. And right now, that's a flat-footed tie between the Mets and Braves. Atlanta won 8-2 at Washington. The Mets lost at City Field to Miami 6-4. Carlos Carrasco lasted just three innings, gave up four runs. Trevor Williams allowed two more. Pete Alonso in defeat, a three-run homer, is 40th. He leads the majors with 131 RBI. Seven games to go, including three this weekend in Atlanta. If the two teams finish in a tie, it's the Mets who will almost certainly win the tiebreaker. The only way Atlanta wins the season series is if they sweep this weekend, and if they do, 
it's unlikely the two teams will finish tied. The Giants made official the knee injury suffered by Sterling Shepard Monday night is a season-ending torn ACL. All is well in Brooklyn after a turbulent offseason where Kevin Durant demanded the Nets trade him unless they fire Coach Steve Nett. Knowing Kevin as long as I have, it didn't really bother me the way maybe everyone would think. I, you know, that's a part of being competitors. I, I, I wasn't like... Um, overly surprised, and I wasn't even overly concerned. Nash said the Nets are like a family, and all families have issues. John Stash, that were Bloomberg Sports. Think. All right, John, thanks. S&P futures right now down 35 points. Dow futures down 233. NASDAQ futures leading the declines this morning down 1.3% or 149 points. Ten-year Treasury down 14.30 seconds. The yield back at 4%. Yield on the two-year 425. As we continue to track Category 4, Hurricane Ian taking aim at Florida's Gulf Coast. We check in next with Bloomberg Senior Insurance Analyst Matthew Palazzola. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunny today in New York. High near 70 degrees. Upper 60s tomorrow and Friday. Right now it's 54 under a clear sky in Central Park. Good morning. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The dollar soaring to another record after the White House talked down the prospect of weakening the currency. The continuing global bond route pushing 10-year Treasury yields to the highest since 2008 and U.K. 30-year yields to the highest since 1998. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And futures are lower. S&P futures down 42 points. Dow futures down 274. NASDAQ futures down 177. The DAX in Germany is down 2.1%. Ten-year Treasury down 14.30 seconds. Yield 4%. The yield on the two-year 4.25%. NYMEX crude oil is down 2 tenths percent or 13 cents at $78.38 a barrel. COMEX gold down 7 tenths percent or $10.70 at $16.25.50 an ounce. The euro is at 0.9542 against the dollar. British pound 1.0670 and the yen 144.79. Looking at Bitcoin, it's down 2.5% at $18,580. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Cameron. Hurricane Ian is churning in the Gulf of Mexico and is about 75 miles from Naples, Florida. The National Hurricane Center says Ian has strengthened to a Category 4 storm. Thousands of flights have been canceled. At the United Nations, top diplomats are dismissing the results of staged referendums in Russia's occupied areas of Ukraine. Some Ukrainians say they were forced to vote at gunpoint. In baseball, the Yankees clinched the AL East, beating the Blue Jays 5-2. Aaron Judge was walked four times and remains at 60 home runs, one shy of Roger Maris' 61 AL record. The Mets lost. The Red Sox down the Orioles 13-9. The Nationals and A's lost. The Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Also want to pass along some headlines crossing the Bloomberg Terminal from Japan and South Korea, saying that North Korea has apparently fired an unidentified ballistic missile toward the East Sea off the Korean Peninsula. We'll continue monitoring 
those developments for you, let you know any further details as soon as we get them. In the meantime, we do want to keep our focus on Hurricane Ian taking aim at the Florida Gulf Coast. Joining us now is uh, Matthew Palazzola. He's a senior insurance analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. And we bring him on this morning because this storm is shaping up to be one of the costliest potentially in U.S. history, particularly if we're talking about a Category 4 storm, if it keeps up that strength and takes aim at a center of population, we're talking serious potential damages here, Matthew. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's there's a slight bit of good news just this morning. There's the, the 5 a.m. forecast from the National Hurricane Center. And if we're talking, you know, this is certainly going to be a large event, but if we're talking dollar value property damage, uh, it looks like the path has shifted even further south. So the worst case scenario was a direct hit on Tampa Bay from a property damage point of view. And it looks like at least, you know, as of 5 a.m. this morning, we might avoid that worst case scenario. Uh, people were talking about in the industry, um, property values and damages in the $100 billion range in a, in a worst case scenario, but it looks like we're actually going to avoid that. All right. So what's the base case scenario based on the forecast that we're getting now, the current track of the storm? Are we still expecting that it could touch down, make landfall on the Gulf Coast of Florida as a Category 4? I think these the storms usually weaken kind of right before they get there, but it still looks like the, the forecast is a Category 3 or 4 as it makes landfall um, south of Tampa. So, yes, definitely going to make landfall there. Um, what we try to do as insurance analysts is look at analog storms. So what, what storms took a similar path? How much did they cost insurance companies? Uh, what I'm looking at now is 2004 Hurricane Charlie, which took a, a pretty similar path. It was a Category 4 when it made landfall. It was actually a little further south. At that time, it cost insurers $11 billion. Um, there's estimates out there from insurance brokers that say similar events could be in the 15 to $35 billion range. Now that's that's the kind of level that the insurance industry in Florida can handle, isn't it? I mean, it's not like hurricanes or anything new for the Sunshine State. Certainly not. So these companies, this is their bread and butter. Um, I would say at the high end of that, the $35 billion mark, uh, the California market is made up of um, mutual players like State Farm. It's made up of a state fund, which is essentially funded by the taxpayers. And then you have large national players and small regional players. At the $35 billion loss, the small regional players could be in trouble. But the large companies that I cover, like Allstate, Chubb, Progressive, this is not going to be a small thing for them, but a very manageable event, even at the high end. You've got about a minute left here, Matthew. How long of a recovery could we be looking at from this? And talk a little bit more about the reinsurance market, because they've been having some struggles in Florida, haven't they? Yeah, there's been a significant uh, problem in Florida with being able to obtain reinsurance, which is insurance for insurance companies. So the smaller companies that I talked about have not been able to get affordable reinsurance, and some of them have actually gone insolvent or left the state. And what this has done is caused problems for homeowners in the state. So they can't even get insurance if their insurance company can't get reinsurance. Um, as far as the recovery, you know, the insurers are, are on the ground 
almost immediately right away trying to work with people. I think this is a home business, is a short tail business, so insurers are are kind of paying out um, pretty soon. So, you know, without seeing where it's hitting and how strong, I can't really talk too much about the recovery, but, um, you know, certainly going to be a big event. Yeah, we're, we're going to continue monitoring it, of course. Matthew Palazzola, thanks again for being with us this early morning hour. Matthew Palazzola is a senior insurance analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence who will be very busy for the next several days here with Hurricane Ian. Now a dangerous Category 4 storm. Maximum winds 140 miles an hour, according to the National Hurricane Center. Uh, last check centered about 75 miles away from Naples, Florida, and it is uh, currently on track to come ashore on the Florida Gulf Coast near the Tampa Bay area sometime late today. Looking at the markets, futures are selling off. S&P futures down 44 points. Dow futures down 298 and NASDAQ futures down 178 points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather for the city. Nice for the rest of the week. Sunshine near 70 today will be in the upper 60s with sunny skies tomorrow and Friday. Right now, 54 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broke Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And it's 530 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Hurricane Ian is now a dangerous Category 4 storm, taking aim at Florida's Gulf Coast and threatening to do serious damage. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn is tracking the storm. Rob. Karen and Nathan, the eye of the hurricane, very apparent on the radar out of the Key West area. We can see it working its way north-northeast. It's paralleling the coast of western Florida. At some point today, it'll turn more towards the northeast, and that'll allow it across the coast somewhere north of Fort Myers to as far north as about Tampa. Looks like the storm surge is going to be in excess of 10 feet. We'll be seeing wind gusts probably over 125 miles an hour with the storm and excessive rain of 5 to 10 inches along the path over the next 24 hours. Karen and Nathan? Okay, Rob, thanks. We're going to be checking back with you throughout the morning. Ahead of the storm, thousands of flights have been canceled. Disney, SeaWorld, and Universal Orlando are all shutting their theme parks through at least tomorrow. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is activating 5,000 members of the National Guard. Another 2,000 are coming in from out of state. Nathan, now to the turbulent markets. The dollar is trading at a record after the White House talked on the prospect of weakening the currency. The onshore yuan has fallen to the weakest level against the dollar since the financial crisis in 2008. And the global bond route continues as the 10-year Treasury yields touch the highest level since 2008. A slew of hawkish Federal Reserve speakers, including Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari, are stoking fears about the economic outlook. We are moving very, very aggressively. There's a lot of tightening in the pipeline. We are committed to restoring price stability, but we're also, we also recognize, given these lags, there is the risk of overdoing it. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari said the Fed is united in getting inflation back to 2%. In Europe, Karen, a stinging rebuke of the U.K.'s new unfunded tax cuts. The International Monetary Fund calls them excessive and in need of revision. 
And in corporate news, Nathan Bloomberg News has learned that Apple is back off plans to increase production of its new iPhones this year. The company had expected a surge in demand, but that hasn't happened. Apple will aim to produce 90 million handsets in the second half of the year, roughly the same level as last year. And futures this morning are lower. S&P futures down 41 points. Dow futures down 271. And NASDAQ futures down 174. Ten-year Treasury down 12.30 seconds. Yield 3.99%. The yield on the two-year, 4.24%. And NYMEX crude oil is down a quarter percent. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street, 54 degrees in Central Park. Got that accident on the southbound New York State Thruway near the Cuomo Tappan Zee Bridge. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. There's sharp debate as New York City officials say a humanitarian relief center will be built in the Bronx as more immigrants arrive from Texas. It's being built in Orchard Beach, but some advocates say the shelter's location could create issues. This Orchard Beach resident had some words for the city. And if you want to put something in our community, you need permission from us. The so-called tent city being built will be heated and can house up to a 1,000 migrants. New York Mayor Eric Adams discussed his trip to Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic ravaged by Hurricane Fiona. Adams says Puerto Rico has a significant population in the city, and what affects Puerto Rico affects New York. This is the international city. This is America's city. People like it or not, this is America's city. Uh, what we do is going to impact what happens across the globe and how people are going to perceive us across the, gro- across the globe. Mayor Adams says about half of the people in Puerto Rico are still without power and fresh water. Russian leaders declared victory in a series of U.N.-condemned referendums as the Kremlin moved to annex a large chunk of occupied Ukrainian territory. Meanwhile, the White House says Russian men fleeing the military draft are welcome to apply for asylum in the U.S. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. We are seeing protests in the streets uh, of Russia. We are seeing people sign petitions. And I think the message that they're sending to us very clearly uh, is that this war that Putin started, this war that was started by the Kremlin, is unpopular. White House spokesperson Corinne Jean-Pierre. A January 6th rioter who attacked a police officer was sentenced to 86 months in prison. Kyle Young, who is 38, was captured on the body cam of former D.C. police officer Michael Fanone as the violent mob pushed towards him. Young in court broke down in tears and begged for forgiveness. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. John Stashauer has a Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan. Mets and Yankees both heading to the MLB postseason. The Yanks is a division champ, but will the Mets win the NL East? It's the only division still up for grabs. The Cardinals last night clinched the NL Central. The Mets lost at home to Miami 6-4. to A Pete Alonso three-run homer is 40th. Not enough to overcome a rough start by Carlos Carrasco. Atlanta won 8-2 at Washington. The Mets and Braves have identical records now of 97 and 58, seven games to go, including the three-game series this weekend in Atlanta. The Yankee division clinching win was 5-2 to at Toronto. The Red Hot Glaber Torres with... 
three hits, three RBIs to back the pitching of Jamison Tyone. He served up a leadoff homer to George Springer, but dominated after that. Aaron Judge had only one official at bat. He walked four times, refuses to chase bad pitches, even as he tries to tie Roger Maris's home run record. Now seven games without a homer. Judge still stuck on 60, but in a good mood as he was sprayed with champagne. Well, what a year it's been so far. Um, we're definitely not done, but this is a great first step into, you know, the ultimate goal, you know, going out there and winning our World Series and, you know, getting a chance to, you know, clinch the division with this group of guys. This is, uh, this is definitely something special. Just last night on the Yes Network. Sterling Shepard's season is indeed over. A freak knee injury Monday night at the MetLife Turf where he was simply running the pass pattern comes just as Shepard made it back from last year's Achilles injury. He was the Giants' top receiver. They were counting on Kenny Galladay, a high-priced free agent and first-round draft pick Darius Tony. but so far those two have combined for only two catches. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. After surging in the week following Labor Day, office occupancy dipped a bit in New York last week. New York offices were 46% full for the weekend in September 21st, according to Castle Systems. That's down slightly from close to 47% the previous week. The trend was the same across the country. Manhattan-based law firm Epstein, Becker & Green is suing former client Princeton Holdings. It claims Princeton failed to pay a nearly $900,000 bill. In the lawsuit, Epstein claims Princeton CEO Don Williams hired the firm in March 2020 for work on various corporate transactional matters. Governor Phil Murphy says New Jersey will spend $49 million to renovate the new Brunswick train station. Murphy says the new funding will be used to extend and replace passenger platforms and revamp elevators and escalators. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk on WFLA Tampa Bay. We're talking about the surge in private jet flights out of Florida ahead of Hurricane Ian. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. Shell may build two plants to produce sustainable aviation fuel. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAD Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the IMF telling the UK to rethink its tax cut plans as the 30-year gilt yield hits the highest since 1998. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting Southfield's Jack's Car Wash is looking to expand. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Amid the stir caused by President Biden's plan to cancel student loan debts, too little attention has been paid to another far-reaching reform, the administration's change to a lending program known as income-driven repayment. If widely applied, Biden's proposal would incentivize students to take out bigger loans and increase overall student loan debt. Worse, it would only encourage colleges to continue raising tuition. It would be better for the government to expand targeted aid through federal Pell Grants, which would limit the amount that poor students have to borrow in the first place. Reducing the cost of higher education, particularly for low-income students, is a goal worth pursuing, but this plan is the wrong way to go about it. 
This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. As the sell-off continues around the world, S&P futures are down 42 points. Dow futures down 270. NASDAQ futures down 175 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 11.32. Seconds. The yield just back below 4% at 399. Yield on the two-year, 4.23%. The euro at 0.9557 against the dollar. Matt Maley of Miller Tayback joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather sunny with a high near 70 today. We'll be in the upper 60s tomorrow and Friday with sunshine expected through the rest of the week. Right now, 54 and clear in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The dollar is soaring to another record after the White House talked down the prospect of weakening the currency. The continuing global bond route pushing 10-year Treasury yields to the highest since 2008 and U.K. 30-year yields to the highest since 1998. Check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down 39 points. Dow futures down 247. And NASDAQ futures down 167. The DAX in Germany is down 1.9%. Ten-year Treasury down 12.30 seconds, yield 3.99%. The yield on the two-year, 4.23%. NYMEX crude oil is down a third of a percent, or 27 cents, at $78.25 a barrel. COMEX gold down six-tenths percent, or $10.10, at $16.26 an ounce. The euro is at 0.9560 against the dollar. British pound 1.0694, and the yen 144.68. Bitcoin down 2.2% at $18,660. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Hurricane Ian is now a Category 4 storm as it spins toward Florida. Ian is about 75 miles from Naples. The storm knocked out power to the entire island of Cuba. North Korea fired a ballistic missile off its eastern coast today. The statement from South Korea's Joint Chief of Staff comes a day before U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris is set to visit the demilitarized zone dividing the nations. In baseball, the Yankees clinched the AL East, beating the Blue Jays 5-2. Aaron Judge was walked four times and remains at 60 home runs, one shy of Roger Maris' 61 AL record. The Mets lost. The Red Sox down the Orioles 13-9. The Nationals and A's lost. The Giants won. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Matt Maley joins us now, Chief Market Strategist at Miller Tayback. Matt, I want to get your thoughts on this market sell-off. But first, we've got a storm headed Florida's way. What kind of economic damage could we see from her? Ian. Well, one of the things uh, that we have to worry about, uh, Nathan, of course, is, is all the damage that will, that will be done. And we, you know, we obviously are, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody in Florida. Um, and, and it's kind of funny because I've been somebody who's been, you know, worried about the economy for quite some time, saying that we were very likely headed to a recession. <laughs> uh, I was talking about that, you know, in the winter and spring. 
However, uh, this thing is, 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 is funny because even though the people are talking about demand destruction, it'll, you know, cause even more demand destruction, uh, they have to rebuild. I mean, these hurricanes blow through rather quickly, uh, and it can cause all sorts of devastation, but the rebuilding usually actually, uh, helps the economy, at least in, in the local economy. And of course, Governor DeSantis is very much eyeing a run for the, for the presidency. So he, he, he knows all eyes are going to be how on how he reacts to this, and he's going to want to be able to turn things around as quickly as possible. So I actually think this is going to be something that's going to be slightly bullish for the economy, uh, at least for the, uh, you know, over a near-term basis, than something that's going to be a, a serious a serious problem. So I, I guess uh, I'm usually a contrarian. I'm a little bit of a contrarian here, too. Yeah, I wonder whether uh, just sort of looking under the hood on a sector basis, whether you're thinking, what, like construction stocks might do well after this? Exactly. You know, somebody like Home Depot, Lowe's, these, these are type of, 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 of companies of, that should do, actually did, should do quite well. And you look at both of those stocks, company, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's, I mean, they're flat on their back. They're, they're oversold on a technical basis and, uh, they look quite enticing here. So, uh, these, you could see a, a surprising rally in some of these names. What about more broadly? Are you, are you looking at a bottom? For this market overall, I mean, we're looking at futures well below 1% and adding to the losses we've seen over the last several sessions. Yeah, I mean, the one thing we have to worry about, I mean, again, I, I, I've been negative all, all, all year long. I mean, I, 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 starting in December, I was telling people to raise cash. And, uh, and over, and during the summer, during the, during the rally, I said it was a, you know, it was a bear market rally and said raise cash there too. Uh, the one thing that we worry about that we, you know, and, and I do think that, that we will eventually get down to the 3,000, probably 3,000 level, certainly 3,000 to 3,200. Again, something I've been saying all year, but, uh, uh, we should see it at some point soon. The one thing I'm concerned about, of course, is we need, people say we need this big washout trade or we get some sort of a blow up with a hedge fund blowing up or something like that. Uh, but the, the market is, is is really starting to get quite oversold, and it's not just the stock market. The bond market is very, very oversold, and uh, the dollar is just the opposite, getting extremely overbought. And the sentiment in all those things, sentiment for the bond market and the stock market are very, very low. People are very bearish and very, very bullish on the dollar. These are the types of things that usually uh, create at least short-term relief. And so I look for a, a rally at some point soon in the bond market and the stock market. Uh, you know, the bond market, you know, a rally would mean that rates, of course, would come down and the dollar pulling back. Uh, I, I think it's going to surprise some people. Uh, uh, but there's just everybody is on one side of the boat right now. And uh, we're getting ripe for for at least a, a, a relatively sharp, even if it's a, a, even if it's a relatively short-term uh, bounce. So are you saying fight the Fed, Matt? I mean, you hear from Fed officials, they're really doubling down on the idea that if not rates going up even further, that at least they're going to have to stay high for quite some time to get a handle on inflation. No, I, 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 I don't want to say fight the Fed. Uh, the two things on this. Number one, and I've been saying, saying that all, all year long. Don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. Why people keep fighting the Fed? Um, uh, but I just, so it's really just more of a short term, uh, a rally. And in other words, I wouldn't be shorting the rally here. I wouldn't be buying the dollar here. I wouldn't be shorting the bond market here. Uh, I just think that, uh, uh, although we could get one big washout here in the next few days, uh, I think we're going to see a bounce that, that lasts for, for a week or two, or maybe even three. Uh, but, long, but, but that, that will provide another opportunity to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to take, uh, you know, raise, uh, raise some cash. The one thing I will say though about the Fed is that, 
you know, definitely don't fight the Fed, but they are getting, there's a few of them getting a little bit less hawkish. I mean, we saw that yesterday with Evans and last night, uh, 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 uh San Francisco President Daly saying, she's saying that, uh, you know, we don't want to push into recession. So they're, you know, so they're, sometimes they're a little market, uh, markets, uh, you know, market dependent when it comes on, uh, when it comes to their rhetoric. And some of them are starting to ease off a little bit. So that could give the market a little bit of relief uh, at some point soon as well. So just 30 seconds left here, Matt. Are you looking for a Fed pivot to slower rates sometime this year? Definitely not. I think anything we're seeing now is just trying to calm things down. They don't want the market to go straight and down in a straight line. Uh, but I would, de- I do not see them pivoting at all. Uh, I think that if we do get the bounce that I'm talking about, it'll be another opportunity to raise cash. I think the S&P is headed, uh, we're going to, we're headed towards 3000 or very close to that level. So I do not see a Fed pivot at all. And again, the S&P closed yesterday, 3647. Thanks for this. As always, Matt, good speaking with you. Matt Maley, Chief Market Strategist at Miller Tayback. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 554 on Wall Street. Let's get to a legal story we're watching this morning. Well, the Justice Department is taking American Airlines and JetBlue Airways to court, challenging their partnership, which allows the airlines to share flights and customers. The DOJ is under pressure to have something to show for its trust-busting efforts after the collapse last week of two of its cases, one targeting United Health Group's $7.8 billion acquisition of Change Healthcare and a second between two of the U.S.'s largest sugar refiners. From more Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to Bloomberg Intelligence senior litigation analyst Jennifer Ree. Did anything stand out to you in the opening statements? You know, I think what stands out to me in the opening statements is just how they're really in completely and totally opposite ends. I mean, to hear the Department of Justice attorney, this is absolutely the worst possible thing that could happen. It's going to cost millions of dollars. It's a consolidation. It's essentially a merger of two airlines in an industry where we have terrible trouble now. Too much consolidation already, far too concentrated, passengers that are treated horribly, fares that are going up, and this is only going to contribute to that. And then to hear the other side, it's wildly pro-competitive. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to be able to compete much better against Delta and United. It's going to cause everybody to compete. And then the Department of Justice attorney has to ask, American is the biggest airline in the United States, possibly in the world. So why does it need JetBlue in order to compete against Delta and United? And I think, you know, there's a really good point there. But they're, they're just really wildly at opposite ends of what the impact of this alliance is. American and JetBlue have a year and a half of records to show what's happened so far, right. even though they knew that they were under the microscope. But the Justice Department is just going to have theory. That's right, and that's absolutely the difficulty of it. Now, in every merger case, all they really have is theory. Here, to some extent, they have a presumption of potential anti-competitive effects because if you just purely look at market shares, and in airline deals, you know, the way they look at them are the different numbers of airlines and their share in city to city. So you look at a route. Let's say it's New York to Miami, Florida. You look at that route. You look at the competition in the route, and that's how you basically look at market shares. So there's this big table and long list of market shares. And under the merger guidelines that the Department of Justice uses, you can do some basic math. And the judges use those guidelines, and they follow those guidelines. So the DOJ has, I would say, just a tinge more than just theory going in because they do have some market shares that show that these are concentrated markets. That, of course, will rely on or depend on whether the judge actually views this as a merger or not. 
And as Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst Jennifer Rees speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. Futures this morning moving lower. S&P futures down 44 points. Dow futures down 282. NASDAQ futures down 100. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.